God been good to anybody in 2019? Amen. God is too good to not praise. Amen. He really is. When I think of his goodness, what he's done for me. Uh, man, it's such a pleasure to be able to bring the word for you to you for a little bit tonight. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity to be able to speak to us for a little bit tonight. I'm excited about the word I have. Uh, I'll be honest with you, before I got up here, I saw uh, this, the title slide for Pastor Lucas, and I think this uh, correlates, and that always feels good, you know. I always, I always feel nervous before I get up to preach, and usually God confirms in some way. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're ready. Let's do this. So I feel good tonight. If you'll turn to me, I don't want to take too, too much time. Second Samuel chapter 3 is where we're going to start tonight, and we're going to go to verse 39, and this will be the uh, main verse that we're going to be studying this evening. I also want to give context that sometimes I'm not the best Wednesday night speaker and the fact that I get a little uh, hyped, maybe more so than a Wednesday night is, is, is uh, accustomed to, but I can't control that. So I'm working on it. So, <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 39. And I am this day weak, though anointed king. This is King David here. And these men, the sons of Zariah, be too hard for me. The Lord shall reward the doer of evil according to to his wickedness. Those first couple of words is what I want to focus on this evening. And I am this day weak, though anointed king. I want to preach just for a moment on weak, but anointed. Weak, but anointed. When we look at the story of David and his life in the chapters that uh, he is present in, uh, we see that David was a man who suffered greatly. It was no doubt that David was human. It was clear and evident. We see in the Psalms as David, uh, all the emotions of David, we see as he goes through heartbrokenness, sadness, you know, everything that you could imagine in the human life, just like me and you, David was undoubtedly human. And in our original verse that we read, David was sad. He was suffering from the loss of Abner, a man who debatedly was against David. Nevertheless, David was sad at the death of Abner. He professed that Abner was a good man and a prince and that they lost somebody greatly. And he, he began to mourn. And we got to the verse that was the focus of this evening. I am this day weak, though anointed king. I love what David's saying here because he's acknowledging the state he's in. He's acknowledging that right now he's struggling. That right now he feels broken, that he's sad and hurting. Anybody ever relate to that in their life? And he said that I'm currently weak, though anointed king. I am Weak today, but anointed. Come on. See, we, we struggle. That's what life is. It, it is a struggle. Life was never promised to be easy. Uh, and each person here, despite their status, their prayer life, where they are in life, or what their, uh, what their profession is, they all struggle. Everyone has struggled. And if you're not struggling now, you will in the future. And if you're not struggling now, you already have in the past. It's, it's just inevitable. Right. We have all felt weak at some point or another, just like David felt weak in our verse. But being weak does not mean that you are not anointed. Being weak does not mean that you aren't in God's will. There's a stigmatism. It, I haven't, it's not here. I was just saying that. But I, I've seen it in other churches. I've been and I've visited lots of churches and I've seen a stigmatism across apostolics that if someone goes to the front and prays at the end of a sermon, that that could be considered weakness, that there is shame because they went and prayed on maybe the topic that the preacher prayed on. I've been in that situation where a preacher has preached to me, and he's convicted me, but I didn't go to the front to pray because I was afraid that someone may, may think that I'm weak. Someone may, may, shame, may shame me or think that I'm doing something wrong in my life. But that's not the case, and that stigmatism is false, and that is not a true narrative. Because I want to clarify tonight that being weak in of itself is not a sin. 
There is nothing wrong in being weak. A matter of fact, being weak is what God looks as as an opportunity. See, when, when God chose the children of Israel, it says in Deuteronomy 7 and 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of the people. God is saying, I didn't choose you, Israel, because you had the biggest men and the strongest army. I chose you because you were the weakest. You were the smallest that I could choose from. And God saw that as an opportunity. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see the disciples right here. That's kind of the stigmatism right there. They said, he's weak. He has an infirmity. There must have been sin. He must have done something wrong. His parents must have done something wrong. Jesus' response to this was, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Weakness is not a sin. It's an opportunity. Is what I want to purvey tonight. God chose men who struggled from time to time. And, he, and they had moments of weakness. Those were the men that he chose. The apostles, the disciples, they were not perfect men. They were men who struggled. They were men who, who were human and who dealt with the flesh. When God chose Elijah to be his prophet, he knew there would be a day that Elijah would be weak and run from Jezebel and hide in a cave. He knew that when he chose him. Nevertheless, today I am weak but still anointed. Today I am weak, but I'm still anointed. God would much rather have a weak man who is anointed than a strong man who lacks anointing. That's why David was able to defeat Goliath. David himself couldn't defeat Goliath, but the anointing carried him where his flesh could not. So when you have that day that was miserable, like David did, today I am weak. When you have that day that was miserable, and you feel like David, and you're sad and heartbroken, you need to do what David did and remind yourself, yeah, today was bad. Today I struggled. Today was, I barely got out of bed this morning, but I'm still anointed. Amen. Amen. In later chapters, we see David suffers the consequences of his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. David had repented and God forgave him and did not leave David. Nonetheless, the consequences for David's actions remained. He was, he was right with God, but there were still consequences for his actions. And it resulted in David's child being sick. And for seven days, David fasted and he prayed and he pleaded to God. He said he laid down and he just, he just prayed to God endlessly. Nonetheless, the child still died. I can't imagine what David's feeling in this moment. I can't imagine the pain of losing uh, a son, and he's lost multiple sons, but I can't imagine the pain of going through all the loss and the heartbrokenness that he's gone through. And, and he knows he's called, and he knows he's anointed, but he failed. He made a mistake, and now he's here, and his son died for his mistake. And it says in the next verse, though, that David got up, he washed himself, and he anointed himself. See, when times got tough, David always had the anointing to rely on. And I want to let you know that tonight that you may be experiencing those tough times like David, that you don't even know what's going to happen next. But you've got to learn to rely on the anointing. You've got to learn to rely that God has put a calling on your life, and he has equipped you for that calling. And, and, and though you may be weak, that is the necessity to operate in your calling. And when you get to those moments, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus and never let go. Because the anointing will carry you where you cannot carry yourself. Amen, amen. 2 Corinthians 
12, 9 through 10. Listen to this. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. said, I will glory in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Where there's weakness, there's power. Uh, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. <laughs> so you have to learn to not despise the weakness, because that's all God is looking for for his next miracle. That's all God God is looking for to use you to for you to operate in the supernatural it all starts with a weakness amen 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 so we can't despise our weakness like I said but for today you may be weak but you're still anointed you're still called by God. And there's going to be a lot of days in this future. I'm letting you know, you know, when the end times come, there's going to be a lot of days that we're going to feel weak. There's going to be a lot of days where we're going to struggle. But at the end of the day, we can get in our bed knowing I'm still anointed. Amen. Let's pray for just a moment here while we transition. Lord, thank you for your presence that's here. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for the weakness, God. I pray, Lord, that your strength is made perfect where we are weak, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your anointing Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Holy, holy. You are holy. Hallelujah. Thank you for the word from the Lord there, Brother Mac. That was good. and to, I got so many things flowing through me. and um, We'll just see what all uh, comes out here between the notes and the move of God. Um, I'm going to just stop over here in Luke chapter 24, and then we're going to transition to John chapter 16, 15 and 16. But um, Luke chapter 24... Verse 32, I love this passage. I love a lot of passages in the word, but it says, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, anoint your word and speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, there's something about the word of God. When God walked with his people, and this month we've been talking about being called and that God has a calling on our life, and, and tonight we're talking about being equipped for the call. But as I read the Gospels, if I, if I go through just some of the, maybe we'll pick the Sermon on the Mount, but some of Jesus' teachings, they in themselves, if you just read them straight out, they can seem very harsh, and they can can take you back in Luke chapter 9 verse 62 and Jesus said unto him no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God and and he also spoke in Luke chapter 9 verse 16 he said unto him let the let the dead bury the dead but go thou and preach the gospel of the kingdom Jesus talked to us about that no man can serve God and mammon or money we know that Jesus spoke of that he didn't really have a home or a place to lay his head. 
His disciples and talking with them, and He said to them, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children for land's sake, for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. We know that this Gospel will divide mothers from daughters and sons from fathers. It will split people and it will split the world. And Some people will have to forsake folks they called their friends. And These are tough sayings by Jesus. The man here that put his hand, that Jesus said no man having put his hand to the plow. All he was saying there was, hey, you know what, what he, when he was talking to him, he's like, hey, you know what? Um, I, I just want to go tell my family goodbye. Yeah. Elisha, he did that. He, he sacrificed the oxen. It sounds like he had a party and he had sacrifice. And he was able to tell everybody, hey, you know what? I'm now made of my life to follow Elijah. Jesus comes along and says, hold on, hold on. No, no, you don't need to go say goodbye. You're here to follow me. Now, if you read that, you're like, what? Now, that doesn't mean that you can't head out on a mission and that God's saying, no, no, you don't get to say goodbye to your parents. But Jesus was trying to make a point here and he was saying, this kingdom is so much greater than this world. And following me is, will cost you everything. The man that wanted to bury his parents, that was one of the greatest things you could do as a son for your father. And yet, he said, hey, you know what? That's not going to happen here. You need to follow me. And the only thing that could take greater precedence was a calling from God. And so Jesus was telling him in that moment that he was God. You need to follow me. And so why do I highlight these few challenges that Jesus brings up in His teaching? There's many more. And it is because there is something about Jesus that burned within the people that met Him. Oh, that's why these men, after Jesus had died and, and they didn't realize He had rose again, they're kicking the dirt. You know what I like about these guys? They weren't the twelve apostles. They weren't part of that select group. They weren't even the ladies that were at the tomb. No, these ones right here, these guys going to Emmaus, they're, they're kicking the dirt and, and, and they're walking along and they're down and out and, and Jesus shows up and He begins to, to say, well, what's the matter? Oh, I, I like that Jesus was ignorant, quote unquote, to the problems of the moment. The problems of society at the time. Oh, yes, He knew what was going on. But he said to him, you know what, what's the problem? And they're amazed. Don't you know our world has been turned upside down? And he's like, well, tell me about it. Oh, they couldn't believe that there could be somebody out there that wasn't aware of the latest crisis in the nation. Oh, that there's somebody out there. Brother Mac, don't worry ever about getting excited on Wednesday night. Oh, they couldn't believe, hey, wait a second, what do you mean? And, he, and he's like, well, maybe I don't fully realize how bad things are off for you. But let me just begin to show you this Bible a little bit deeper. Here's what God wanted to be in your life. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so the creator of the universe began to walk. And oh, you know what? They didn't realize it, but he's like, and that's me right there. And that's me over there. And oh, hey, let me flip to this passage. <laughs> and that's me right there. And, and I was supposed to die. Oh, I shared this with Bishop the other day, but I was upstairs and I was talking to Emery about struggle. 
And I didn't even begin to get into the conversation. Because suddenly it felt like God poked me on the back. And said, you know what it was like? As a young child and as a young man as I read the word and I would read about myself. That I in my humanity as I would read that, that he, like a lamb he was led to the slaughter. And I knowingly as I read those words would, would, knew that I was headed towards the cross. And yes, that's me right there that's going to be beaten. Yes, that's me that's going to be mocked and scourged. Yes, that's me right there. But yet Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, said I've got a purpose and i got a mission and I'm going to go for it. And so he expounded the word to him. Oh, and he showed it to him. Did not our hearts burn within us? Oh, those disciples, um, when they said to Jesus, teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples to pray. Oh, Jesus didn't really get all fancy. He referenced prayers that were similar to their day. But what was it about Jesus' prayer? There's something about you, Jesus, that yes, you might not have a place to lay your head. And it might cost family. It might cost mother. It might cost child. It might cost father. But you know what? I want to follow after you. Oh, the wealth that I would gain in this world, I want to go ahead and give it up for you. Oh God, I don't want to serve that. But I want to serve you. Oh, something burned within them. Oh, in their uh, um, na uh, nativity, right? The... Their ignorance, right? Where they were, they would begin to fuss and fight. Well, well, hey, what do you got a place for us in the kingdom? And Jesus is like, you know what? There's something for you. No, you gave your life for me. I'm not gonna overlook that. I got a place for you. And, and can I sit beside you, Jesus? And here he is, headed to the cross. And he's like, you know what, guys? Let's move on. We got more, more important matters here. But yet, something about Jesus burned within him. Got a hold of him. So that when he arose from the grave, oh, all their faults and failures, and we talked about it last week, that God can take your failure and even your failure. He can work for good. And he reached in to these apostles who all had forsaken him, didn't take him to the tomb, uh, didn't bury him, ran one way and ran another, and Peter who cursed him, yet he reached in and he said, you know what, you who failed by the fire of coals is going to preach the day of Pentecost message. And not only that, I'm going to take you to the Samaritans and the Holy Ghost will be poured out. And then I'm going to take you to the Gentiles and I'm, I'm going to be poured out again. You're going to go ahead and reinstitute miracles into the church when you raise a man up who's lame. Oh, you who cursed me, even through your failure, I prayed for you that your faith would fail you not. And that is our God. And so, their hearts so burned that when He came back, they said, I want to follow Him. I want to follow Him. See, church, the call is not easy. And the devil would like you just to see the, 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 the difficulty of it. He would like you just to, to see how hard it would be. And he'd like to list out all the problems and the struggles. <sighs> yeah, I think about Isaiah. And I think about calls. And Isaiah in chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, it says that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, but before that... Isaiah, what happened to Isaiah? What happened to this great kingdom? As Isaiah would have looked out and he would have saw 
uh, uh, the situation and all the hopes and dreams and all the difficulty and the struggle. But yet, when he turned and he went into the house of the Lord and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, it says his train filled the temple. That passage is referenced in John chapter 12. I won't read verses 37 on down, but I will highlight verse 41. That's, those are quotes from Isaiah. But it's after it says those quotes about their eyes being blinded. It says, these things said, Isaiah, or Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spake of him. This is Jesus. And God took Isaiah into his presence, into, into the counsel of God. And he got to have a, a, a revelation in a scene of Jesus. And suddenly he saw his inadequacy and the greatness of God. And when he saw his awesomeness, oh, an angel came with the coal. And he, he saw his dirtiness. And he saw his inadequacy. And then he touched his lips. And when his lips were touched and he was cleansed, he heard a voice, and I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Oh, there's something about the call of God. Oh, not just His call, but His touch and His presence. And it reaches into any of our hearts. And I don't care how difficult and hard it looks like that when God touches you, you want to respond with, here am I. Send me. Oh, it turns your mind away from the difficulty of paying the bills. The struggle in your marriage. Oh, how can I possibly raise these kids? Look at my, my emotional struggles. Look at all the depression I've been through. Look what kind of childhood I had growing up. Oh, you, you, you see all that stuff. But then you see Him. And His love extends towards you. And He cleanses you with His holy fire. And you're like, here am I. Send me. I caught a glimpse of Him. Oh, and His train and His glory filled the temple. And so you say, here am I. Send me. Why? Because Jesus came with a mission. His mission was to seek and to save that which is lost. And he called us, he called us to go and to make disciples. As we hit so well on our first week that we taught this month. But I find some things of encouragement and I like to take a passage and look at it. As we see Jesus here, he's wrapping up the supper. He gives the, the Judas leaves. He gives the speech then to them of a bridegroom that's going off and preparing a place. John chapter 13. Everything I, I see, I, I know everything that Jesus said was with intent and purpose, but Jesus is just hours away from crucifixion. And He is spilling things out. And as you read these passages, I think you should take special note because He knows He's going to a garden. He knows He's going to being kissed by Judas. He knows He's going to the greatest agony of His life of which he will sweat drops of blood as he prays. And he begins to share with these disciples who don't really comprehend it at all. And he talks to them. 
And as I hear his words unfold, because these disciples were then to make disciples of us. And this um, promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. And that we know this calling wasn't just for them, but it's for us too. And, and we know from their teachings that we also would go through struggle. I find it fascinating what Jesus told them and see how applicable it is to our lives. John chapter 15 and verse 20, and he says, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than this Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You see, sometimes you think that you can't do this. Not just because the enemy would like to lay out a whole list of stuff in front of you of what did this calling mean. But because you went through a bad day. Okay, you say, well, you're putting down my day, Lucas. Okay, you went through some real struggle. And some people left you. But Jesus is telling them, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted you, they will also persecute or if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He goes ahead and he tells us in John chapter 16, verse 2, he says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doth God service. There are a whole lot of people out there today that somehow think that the values they hold, the anti-God values they hold, that they're supporting God and that they're supporting the Bible. You see it raging throughout our country. We've just had the, the, the Supreme Court and Roe versus Wade and there's people out in the streets that think that they're loving and giving God to people when they bring to somebody an abortion that is a lie from the pit of hell. But that doesn't mean we don't have a world that's blind. And that doesn't think that they're attacking you in the name of God when willing they're ignorant and they're blind and they're led astray. There's people that um, have, have been raised and they've grown up and, and they don't know any better. But like Stephen, they came and they stoned him. And yet Stephen didn't want this sin laid to their charge. Oh, just like Jesus on the cross. And so Jesus told us, that we'd be attacked. But then he tells us in verse 1 of chapter 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. We're talking tonight about being equipped for the call. And I want you to understand some things. That when Jesus called these disciples, He first called them. And then He Himself spent three and a half years teaching them. He pulled them away time and again and began to expound to them and to pour into them. And yet, as I've already said, in His moment of His greatest crisis, they forsook Him. So look, when you look at yourself and you think of your inadequacies and you see all the times you've messed up and you think of all the times you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, God has given you preachers and teachers, evangelists and apostles. It's Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. I have the verse here later on. 
Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. He's given you people to teach you just as Jesus taught them. So he's given you teachers in your life to equip you. And when you fall down, get back up. Oh, what did Jesus say when he came up out of the grave? He said, go ahead. And he sent people to tell his disciples, hey, I'm going to be in Galilee. Oh, go tell them that I'm here. Go tell them to meet me. Oh, I'm just a little bit excited about that. Because that word sent or apostello, apostle, is what it reaches into, is he began to send people. You know what? We have the, the, the office of the apostle. And those are people that God has sent as a leader, as a military term there, to go ahead and to take a land and to capture a, a land that, that hasn't been captured. He adopted that word. It was a Greek word. But he uses that word, it comes into scent time and again. And he sent 70, and he sent them two by two. And he sent people to go get his disciples, and he sent the women to go tell them. And he sends, and he sends. And he's reaching, sending. And I won't get into all the Greek, but I did look up a couple different words there. And, um, I don't want to bore you with all that, but just God has sent you. And it may not be that great sending that you would think of the Apostle Paul. But he's telling you, I need you to go tell somebody else. And it's somebody that experienced failure in their walk with God. And they think, I can't go on anymore. But don't be afraid to get back up again yourself. And go let somebody else know that they can get up too. Don't be offended when you go through Struggle. You're going to be attacked. Jesus was attacked. The servant's not greater than his master. But he encourages us by letting us know what's going to happen. By telling you don't be offended. You're like, how is that encouraging? Because then he tells you. John chapter 16 verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Ah, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And what is he going to do here? He says, hey, you know what? I got to go away. Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. What was that? That was the comforter. It is the Spirit of Christ. It is not just Jesus with you but it's Jesus in you. You see Jesus in his humanity. Oh this is exciting. He could only visit Brother Kennedy in his humanity. And then he could go on and he could visit Bishop and his humanity. 
Oh, and, and, then, and then he could go on and then he could visit me in his humanity. And then he could visit Brother Brian in his humanity. Oh, but when he, be, he said, I got to go away. Oh, in my father's house are many mansions. I've got a room for you and a room for you and a room for you. And he came back and he filled Brother Kennedy and he filled Bishop and he filled Brother Brian and he filled me. And you know what happens there? He's multiplied. Oh, because I'm over here on my job and Bishop's over here and he's getting a haircut. And Brother Brian's over here at the grocery store. And yet Jesus is there ministering to somebody. And he's over here ministering to somebody. And he's over here ministering to somebody. That's why he sent them out two by twos into all the cities and the villages. Why? Because he could go to one village. But 70 could go to all these other villages. And they could begin to teach and to preach. And the work of God is multiplied. And He dwells in you. And He says, I'm sending you the Comforter. So don't be afraid of when you go through struggle. Why? The world is being reproved. They're being convicted and they're being corrected. Why? Because you showed them that you can live holy. You showed them that you can stop doing wrong. And that there is a way that's right. Even when it's tough. And it convicts them in their heart. The Spirit of God convicts them. And you go through struggle. But you're going to reach them. Oh, so how can I do this? Oh, we told you that we have apostles and teachers and prophets. But you know what you do with all that word that gets in you and then you leave here and you're like, whoop, it felt like it left my mind. Well, you know what you do with all that word that you read and you study and you're like, I have no idea what that means. And then God puts somebody in your life and they expound on it. Or in the moment you have revelation, but then two days from now, whoop, where did it go? How be it, verse 13 of chapter 16, when he, the spirit of truth come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever you shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Oh, what do you got? The Holy Spirit. It's, it's going to match right up with this book. And he's going to bring it into your mind, and he's going to stir it up. Oh, I so thank God that I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh, I know that I take it a little too lightly. Oh, I don't quite grasp what it is that I got. Oh, but the creator of the universe is right here. And he's bringing to my mind. And he's doing it at a level that I can work with. And he stirs it up. See, he's going to keep you. And I'm telling you right now, any struggle you go through is worth having him. Because life without him, its riches aren't worth anything. Oh, look at those people that are so depressed and down and out. And, and, and when their great career maybe seems to come to an end, they commit suicide. You know, that's the number one cause of death of our teens. Suicide. You say, well, that makes sense. They, don't have, they haven't lived long enough to have other diseases. But it's still impacting that they would think at such a young age, this is not worth living. What do you mean it's not worth living? God loves you and He will put joy in your life that you never could imagine. And He'll give you a want to to live forever. Oh, Joy, so that when you're in the middle of catastrophe, He's in there upholding you in your weeping, upholding you in your sorrow. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
And I know that means daytime, but I still like to think of it in the middle of my mourning or my crying out. Joy comes in. Joy comes in. And then we have verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you. You know what that means? That's like pay attention. Verily, verily. You know, I don't talk that way at home either. I know you guys, maybe some of you do. But this is Jesus' way back then of saying, pay attention. I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrow, but your sorrow... Let me pause. You're going to struggle. You're going to weep. You're going to lament. The world's going to rejoice. But then he tells you that your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Now, I know Jesus was going to the cross here. But it's the same. The, the God that kept them through the cross is going to keep you through your struggle. There is joy in the morning. The God that told them that He would be with them, that He would send the Comforter, is the same God that gave you the Comforter. And the one that kept them is the one that will keep you. So rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. And the last couple things I want to highlight. Verse 26 of chapter 16 and verse 15, or chapter 15, verses, verse 7. But he says here, verse 26, At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I shall not say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because he hath loved me, and hath believed that I came from God. And, and he goes on here, but what is he telling us here? He's saying, you're going to go ahead and say, Jesus, I need help. He's telling them, I'm going to fully be who I am to be in your life. Disciples, hear me. There's some changes going on, but when you call on me, he says in verse, chapter 15, verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, if you're going to go ahead and live for God, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. He's saying, hey, you know what? Go ahead and get lined back up with me. You've got some precious promises here. Go ahead and say, I'm going to go through struggle. You know, you know why I like to say that? Because it kicks the devil in the teeth. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go through struggle. He's like, you're going to fail. I got examples of failure. God didn't hide it in the Bible. Boom. I'm going to fail. What, what are you going to do about this? I've got the comforter, Jesus Christ in me. They're going to laugh you and mock you, make your life hard, and look what you're going to give up. I got the comforter, and my, my, my sorrow is going to be turned into joy. What are you going to do about the problem? You know what I'm going to do about it? I've lined up with God and I'm going to prayer. And I'm going to ask Him. And He's going to do it. He's going to take care of me. Some way, somehow, I'm going to get through this and you're going to get through this. So shut up, devil. I've made up my mind and I'm not turning around. There's no going back. But I'm getting on track with Jesus. Give Him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have his spirit. You have his teaching that goes forth in teachers and preachers in your life. Mm. With that, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. What is that? 
that fellowship and breaking of prayer. Right here we have it. These new disciples said, you know what, I need to get that word. They had teachers. And you know what else they had? Fellowship. That whole breaking of bread, that's a joining up together. That means, hey, AJ, I've got you and you got me. And I'm standing with you and you're standing with me. You know what you get when you go to come to God? You get a brotherhood and a sisterhood. So come back to the brotherhood and sisterhood. Get back into the church. I know I mess up and I fail, but I'm here for you. Please overlook my failures. I'll overlook yours. And let's continue in this work together because there's strength in the body of Christ. He gave us to each other. That's why he said, how will, you know that, how will they know that you're my disciples, that you love one another? So we have his spirit. We have each other. We have this word taught to us, preached to us, and then his spirit stirs it up in us. And we have prayer. Not prayer where you crawl across glass and you say Hail Mary's 35 times. and No, you just get real with God. And you say, God, I have a problem. You know what you can say? Help my unbelief. Oh, hallelujah. And then he follows up here. Verse 33, this is before he gets ready to head off to the garden. Or before he begins to pray and then head off to the garden. And he tells him, you know, his hour's coming. But then he says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In me? Now that might isn't like, well, maybe I could have peace in Jesus. You don't have peace right now. But I've given you these things. So if you'll come to Jesus, you can have peace. You can have completeness. You can have being put together and whole. In the world you shall have tribulation or trouble. Be of good cheer. Hey, he didn't say, in the world you won't have, be of good cheer, in the world you won't have trouble. No, that's not what he said. In this world you're going to have trouble. But where's God at? He's in trouble. So be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Oh, he's overcome the world. We have great promises. Rich promises. And so I want to wrap up tonight. The title is equipped for the call. God didn't leave you without teachers. He didn't leave you without preachers. He didn't leave you without his spirit. He didn't leave you without the understanding that there's going to be downs, but that He's going to be there. And He gave you a way that nothing in this world, no devil, no fallen angel, no ideology, no spirit out there, no failure of your own, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He has given you everything you need. So go ahead and follow Him. Trust Him. Be humble before Him. You'll submit yourself to Him and let Him lead you and guide you into all truth. Can we go ahead and stand to our feet? I want you to know that you are equipped for the call.
Peter, he told us. Well, I had it right there, but Peter told us, he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Oh, that you might show forth his praises. Why did Peter tell us that? He's telling us that God has purposefully picked you. God picked you. And God has given you everything in this book that you need. And not just the words, but the strength and the spirit. If we could go ahead and close our eyes and begin to talk to him. Jesus, you equipped us. This is a royal nation, oh God, a royal priesthood. A chosen generation. Oh God, you picked us and you called us out. God, you said you would not leave us comfortless. Oh, you said you would be with us always. God, you told us to be of good cheer that you've overcome the world. And so God, I've felt the call in my life. I've felt you beckon and I've felt you pull on me. Oh God, and I know that you're going to do a great work through each and every person in this place. The fields are ripe and ready to harvest. Lord, as we see you, we're saying, here am I. Send me. Oh God, go ahead and touch the cold of their lips. Lord, there's something about you. I don't care about how hard it is. I want to follow you because I know that you've equipped me for the call and that you'll never leave me nor forsake me you're with me always and so I'm going to go ahead and be with you always hallelujah I give you glory Jesus go ahead give him worship thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah 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 I would that you would be encouraged tonight that God didn't just call you he picked you up from failure and He's given you everything that you need. So stay in church. Stay in the Word. Stir up that gift. And let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen.